Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tiantian with your Market View. The Chinese economy and market is at the front and center of our discussion today. After the country announced its GDP figures earlier in the week, now if you recall, GDP was up 3% last year. While the figure beat an earlier Bloomberg forecast of 2.7%, the reading was far lower than the 8.4% we saw in 2021 and below the official 5% target. So with China reopening its borders to international tourists and dialing back on its strict zero-COVID strategy, to what extent can the country stage a strong recovery given its frailing property market, for instance? Now, Meanwhile, the Chinese government also reportedly taking up golden shares and units of Alibaba Group and Tencent Holdings, but how would that affect the closely watched tech sector. For more, let's speak to Nicholas Yeo, head of China Equities at Aberdeen. Well, Nicholas, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Oh, great to have you. And Nicholas, let's start with the big indicator for the week, Chinese GDP figures for 2022. Uh, to what extent do you think the reading was within your expectations and what does this suggest about the state of the Chinese economy for now? To be honest, uh, we, and as well as the market, uh, were less concerned about the data coming out, uh, uh, the GDP data coming out for fourth quarter, because we all know that uh, China went through the zero COVID in the fourth quarter, and then uh, you can call it COVID everywhere. Uh, the easing of the zero COVID has caused uh, you know economic activity to to slow down as well because of the infection. People stay at home and not coming out. Uh, to uh, to consume, um, so it's, the market is not really looking back, but looking forward. Um, in fact, uh, probably a more meaningful data will be the subway ridership that has seen, especially in the the mega tier, uh, sorry, the mega city and the first tier cities, uh, upper tier cities, we have seen you know a, a sharp recovery uh, towards the end of uh, December, uh, which means that the first wave. Uh, of infection that have hit the upper tier cities uh, are more or less uh, over um, and you could see that you know, the consumption comes back quite rapidly and, and that is what the market is more uh, focused uh, on and uh, excited about. Uh, you see that happening in the upper tier city and even uh, you know it's happening in the lower tier city uh, as we speak. And you could see that the infection could, uh, you know, work through the population mm. quite quickly, and and that would be good for consumption. Right, right. Yeah. And you mentioned about uh, consumption, and uh, in the meantime, Nicholas, we're counting down to Chinese New Year. You talk about real ridership as well. The great migration in China that's underway as we are speaking. So, what do you think that means for holiday spending? What's the likely impact on China's economy and market, at least for the month of January and February? Then. Um, yeah, I'm not so concerned or we're not so concerned about the near term. Uh, looking further out over one year, we are definitely more constructive, uh, you could say, you know, cautiously optimistic on the consumption front. Um, and consumption will be the key driver of economic growth this year. Uh, you know, prediction is for you know, 7-8% uh, consumption growth, having, you know, seen uh, consumption growth uh, dipping you know, below 2% at one point. Uh, this will be, definitely be the, the main driver of economic growth uh, for the rest of the year. Of course, Chinese New Year is a, is a good 
excuse to, to consume. Um, you could see the migration. And don't forget that, that we didn't really have that migration last year. And a lot of people are seeing their, their parents or seeing their family members for the first time uh, after a while, if they're living uh, uh, away from their hometown. So definitely, uh, that, that is good for the sentiment. Um, and uh, I want to emphasize that the opening up is a positive. Yeah, there might be bumpy recovery because of the infection working through the population, but by and large, it's a positive uh, move. Mm. And Nicholas, I want to find out what are your immediate concerns for the Chinese market as we head into 2023? Because uh, we have official data released yesterday showing that property investment was down 10% in 2022, which was the first decline since records began in 1999. So question is, so far has the slew of support policies introduced by the authorities worked? Are there more systemic, more structural fundamental issues that need to be addressed? You're right to say that the real estate uh, continues to be sort of like an overhang on the market. Um, we have yet to see even more uh, powerful or meaningful stimulus, especially for the demand side. And when I say the demand side, uh, I, I meant the buyers. Uh, so there, there is a need to change the perception of the buyers that uh, property prices are stabilizing and it should be recovering from here. Um, I, I think the buyers in China, when it comes to real estate, are like retail investors. They would prefer to buy when prices are going up. Uh, so it's the same thing that we're seeing with uh, real estate here. So the government needs to you know, come up with more powerful stimulus measure on the, for the demand side. And, and some of these are in, inexpensive policy such as reduction of the down payment, which they have done, but they could be, they could, there could be more that they can do to reduce the down payment requirement for buying a property. Um, so if that happens, uh, they will definitely release some of the demand, especially the inelastic demand. There is a roughly around 10 million uh, people or household that will want to upgrade, will want to buy a new home. Uh, for inelastic requirement in demand, such as you know getting married or having a new newborn, and um, and that is where you know the government needs to stimulate. On the supply side, you will still see a consolidation, and you will still want the the better players to survive, and at the same time to consolidate the smaller, the weaker players, uh, and that is still a process that they want to see through. Would you expect the property sector or rather property stocks to see a rebound later this year? And when can we expect that if you're expecting a rebound? Is it towards the later half of 2023? I think the sentiment, which is a risk in the near term, uh, as, as in the buying sentiment on real estate, is a risk in the near term. We don't have uh, transparency yet or, or visibility yet. Uh, there could be more uh, visibility after the two session in March uh, where potentially there could be more policies being announced to support uh, the demand uh, for, for in real estate uh, uh, buying. Um, so we, we probably have to wait for that to come through and, and what sort of policy that the government will adopt. Uh, but the stock market is always you know, ahead of the game. You, could, you have seen that you know, the quality real estate companies have already uh, run ahead uh, and done pretty well. For us, we will stick with the winners, uh, guys who have strong balance sheet, 
And these are typically state-owned enterprises. Uh, they are not heavily indebted. At the same time, we also look at secondary exposure to real estate. This could be you know, the white goods uh, players. This could be um, uh, even uh, renovation-related companies. Um, materials used in building uh, or software used in uh, construction. So there are other ways to play the real estate and uh, rather than a direct investment in the developer. So that, that might be, uh, you know, can say a smarter way or safer way to do it. Yeah. Mm. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Nicholas Yeo, Head of China Equities at Aberdeen. Well, uh, Nicholas, another sector that is sort of in focus for now is the tech sector. There has been signs that authorities, they are softening crackdowns on tech giants. But at the same time, we are seeing this uh, development where Chinese authorities are taking up golden shares in units of Alibaba Group and Tencent. So how do you read into the move, though? We maintain the view that the Chinese government is supportive of the private sector in the area of innovation. And when I say the private sector, it includes the platform companies, the internet companies. And the Chinese government is well aware that they cannot rely on the state-owned enterprises in the innovation drive by the country. So in that respect, uh, what you're seeing, you know, with the government taking golden shares is not done at the you know, LISCO level, at the parent level, but done at the subsidiary level. The private enterprises uh, that are in this area uh, will probably have to help the state-owned enterprises uh, to, to, you know, to help them to improve on the, on the innovation front. So this is done at a subsidiary level. It could be outside of the LISCO, and uh, I'm not referring to what you have just mentioned, but this is likely to happen uh, in the future that you could see more joint venture between the private uh, uh, internet companies, uh, sorry, the private sector that are in the platform companies together with state-owned enterprises. And this will help you know, to increase the efficiency of the state-owned enterprises. They need to be more digitalized uh, uh, in these uh, state-owned companies. Yeah. Right. And Nicholas, when we talk about China, we often talk about the tech sector, the property sector. But looking ahead into 2023, which are the other sectors that you think we should also be keeping an eye on as well? Okay. The way that uh, we look at China in the long run is very much related to the US-China tension or competition. This tension is going to be reversed for some time, I would say that in our lifetime. And the way that we position ourselves is in relation to this uh, tension. And because of this tension, China needs to be much more self-sufficient on its own economy, on its technology and on energy. And hence, we are positioned in you know, aspiration, which is consumption related. There is a demand for uh, up-tiering of the consumption habits, you know, going for more quality products and all that. That will still be very much in place. And that's where the government needs to tap. China has the biggest consumer market in the world. Why not tap it uh, to be much more you know, efficient on its own? Digital as well is another area that we believe the government wants to be self-sufficient in the software, in the semiconductors. That's where we want to position ourselves and that will be supported by a strong localization push by the government. Energy front uh, as well, it wants to be self-sufficient on uh, oil and gas. And so instead of just you know, becoming sufficient uh, domestically on oil and gas, 
China is leapfrogging to the renewable energy space. So that will actually kill two birds with one stone. By developing the renewable energy, it reduces the need for oil and gas imports, and it also improves the, 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 the environment, uh, it reduces the, the pollution. So that, that's our, those are the areas that we uh, continue to find a lot of opportunities. Another area is on aging as well. The aging is not all negative. Aging population provides a lot of opportunities in healthcare and wealth management. And that's where you know, we are able to find opportunities for the long term. Right. And uh, speaking of aging, when we talk about China, we talk about its population size and the talent pool. But uh, this piece of news made the headlines yesterday and it's China's population shrinking for the first time in over 60 years. So where do you think the country is headed on this front? And what does it mean in terms of uh, the transformation of industries within the country? The population decline last year is probably not a very good indicator uh, with, with the longer term. The longer term trend is still for birth rate to, uh, to, to come down. Uh, but 2022, due to the lockdown and all the, all the stress related to lockdown, as well as the economic environment, uh, it wasn't conducive uh, to, to have newborns. Yeah. Uh, so I, I will not take that too you know, seriously. And uh, uh, it could be one off. Uh, but of course, longer term, the, the population decline is something that the government is concerned about. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the Chinese industry and the Chinese government is moving towards more automation in order to mitigate this uh, uh, reduction in the, the workforce. It has already gone into the reverse phase of the uh, uh, what we call the Phillips curve. In other words, the supply of uh, uh, people in the workforce is reducing over time and getting more expensive. And hence, the need to move up the value chain, the need for more automation. Now, that will also provide opportunities for investors. Right. And speaking of opportunities, before we let you go, we must ask this question, Nicholas. How should investors position their portfolios as we enter 2023? I will summarize that with just uh, three buzzwords, uh, the three opportunities. Uh, the first is opposite. The second is innovation. The third is cheap. So the first is opposite. China is probably the only major economy to embark on some serious monetary and fiscal easing. The moving away, the pivot away from zero COVID is already one uh, important move on, on the policy easing front. And you will see more easing on the monetary as well as the fiscal. Now, the second opportunity is what I mentioned earlier on about you know the five investment themes. These are long-term opportunities and it will continue to be supported by the government because of the US-China tension. Um, cheap, the last one, yeah, definitely cheaper than the historical average. China on the price to book basis is still trading at 30 to 35% discount to its 15 year uh, historical average on the price to book basis. You know, where can you find a country or a market that is cheap as well as uh, being very supportive of the economy this year? Yeah. These are the three buzzwords that investors should remember, opposite innovation and cheap. Right, opposite innovation and cheap. So the three key words to remember for 2023 when it comes to investing in China, yeah? Thank you very much, Nicholas. That was Nicholas Yu, Head of China Equities at Aberdeen. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.